Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Welcome back, episode 82, Hebrew Congregation of Houston. We love you and we welcome you back. And so uh, we see that we have more squares. Thank you all for coming. Thank you all for signing on. We ask that you share our program. Um, we ask that you just send information. Go ahead and you can comment at the bottom. And so my name is Easter and I'm going to do an Easter keeping it real today. And my topic today is going to be on uh, mental health and suicide prevention. So mental, you know, oh my God, it's so much information on this and it's, it's so prevalent in, in our community right now. And it has been for a long time. I know lately we've heard uh, celebrities in our community uh, committing suicide, but this is, this is nothing new, right? And so just jump in when you feel like it. Um, any questions you may have or anything you wanna add to this, okay? So let's start with the mental health. Okay, so I'm going to give you start off with the scripture. Second Timothy 1 and 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Okay, so we can all agree that what depression and mental health comes before the suicide, right? So we all can agree upon that. So that's why we have to hit this mental health side before we can get to the suicide. All right, and I'm gonna to try to take this kind of slow so we can deal with this because this, this is a demon in our community and we have to deal with it. And we have to talk about these things. And that's why I love the Hebrew congregation of Houston because we try to touch on everything. We try to touch on the secular things that's going on. We have the rabbi, he's given the word of God. We have our health is our wealth, uh, Minister Mike, Okota uh, uh, Lisa. We have Minister Griff, he's bringing you maps. He's telling you about the, the Ebu. We have so much that's going on that we're trying to give you. So we can all agree upon that. So mental health, let's do the definition of mental health. The mental health is a person's condition with regard to their psychological and emotional well-being. It affects how we feel, how we think, and how we act. It determines how we handle stress related to others and how we make choices, right? And it is important in all of our lives. So that's the definition of mental health. Now there are seven disorders, the main disorders I'm gonna talk about. And as I'm talking about these things, I want you to think about some of yours because I have about three on here that I've dealt with, Easter keeping it real. And if you say you haven't dealt with it, then the devil is a liar because most of us have dealt with some of this, okay? All right, so I'm gonna talk about seven. One is a mood disorder. That's what, depression and being bipolar, right? There's anxiety disorders, there's personality disorders, there's psychiatric disorders like being schizophrenia. There's eating disorders, that's number five. Number six, uh, trauma-related uh, disorders, that's like that PTSD, and seven, substance abuse disorders okay i can name three on here that i've hit and that's easter keeping it real um depression my depression and you know i don't want to get on here and, and tell my personal stuff but i can't sit here and, and and not witness to you and not tell you that i'm imperfect and try to minister to you right 
So I want you to do this with other people to help people. If I, if I can, what they call air out your dirty laundry or tell things about yourself, so can you to help the next person. So mine was depression. You know, uh, my depression was, I had people all around me who loved me, but I felt alone. That's a sign of depression right there. Isolating yourself, okay? Uh, another one was a, tra a trauma, like a PTSD. When, when my mother died, that, that was very, very traumatic for me. I can remember, you know, I worked at the police station and this young black lady used to come in and she used to be like, oh, somebody's cutting my hair. And I was like 22 when I started as a police dispatcher. And they're doing all these things and I can hear radios coming through the, the thing. And I'm like, what happened to this young woman that, that her mind is basically gone? You better be careful because I know when my mother died, I thought there was nobody at the funeral. And I'm like, all these people she helped, she had uh, kids, foster kids, and nobody showed up. There were so many people there. My mind had, had snapped for, for that moment because when I came out of it and I looked at, you know how to sign in book? There were so many people that had signed in. And when I started doing the thank you cards, I just threw them in the corner with so many people. Till this day, I don't remember all those people. So your mind is very fragile. It's a protective mechanism sometimes that go on. So... You got to be careful with that. So I've experienced that. Um, substance abuse. I was in a drunken stupor in, in my uh, sitting in front of my house and didn't remember how I got home a couple times to drive home. Okay. Drinking alcohol to, to ease some of the pain. Easter keeping it real. That was a substance abuse I had to deal with because if I kept going on like that, what I would have turned into an alcoholic. I was borderline. So when I mention some of those things, you need to be real with yourself and say, hey, I've experienced one of those seven things that she said, okay? This is real and, because, and I'm dealing with it because what? Like I said, that's the beginning of that trickle down to that suicidal thought. I was never had thoughts of suicide, but I did have thoughts that I don't wanna be here anymore. Why am I still here? I, I really don't feel like being here anymore. I'm tired. That's the beginning, right? But God. Okay, so what is good mental health? Let's talk about good mental health. So good mental health is uh, to help you to come up out of this. One is in-person therapy. They teach you how to decompress and techniques, okay? And, uh, and I'm, I'm just like I said, I'm gonna keep going back to some things I've dealt with. When my sister died, I was 15. She was 21 years of age. And so I was the baby. I was the only one in the household. My mother, she was no good at that time. She had just lost a daughter and then she had lost her mother this year. So in my mind at 15, I had to take control of this household. I couldn't grieve because I didn't want to lose her. I can remember this uh, in high school, this boy committed suicide, not suicide, he got hit by a train. His boy got hit by a train and they said, anybody who want to come down to the, uh, the therapist or the counselor can come down and talk. I didn't even know this boy. I went down there and started crying my eyes out because I hadn't dealt with my grief. I hadn't dealt with it. 
So I was down there crying with this woman. I didn't know about this boy that I didn't know because I hadn't, I hadn't gotten it out. You got to deal with it, okay? And a lot of Black people in the community, they think it's a sign of weakness when you go to a therapy. The first thing we think, because I know it's me, they don't know nothing about me. They don't know nothing about my Black struggle. They don't know nothing about the project. They don't know nothing about what I've been through. And you're right, they don't. But they have techniques that can help you. They have techniques that can help you. And we got to quit thinking in our Black community that it's a sign of weakness, because it's not. We've been through a lot. And this is not no, oh, no cry out, uh, 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 Black people. No, we have. The slavery and everything we've been through, those babies having trauma inside their mother belly, that stuff is real. OK? The number two, like I said, it's, it's so why I'm only on number two, and I got seven on here. The community, do not isolate yourself. Get around positive and happy people with uplifting, uplifting conversations and people that will improve your quality, quality of life. Quit hanging around negative people, always complaining, always crying broke, always got a problem. You're going to have to get away, get around people that are uplifting, that are happy, that are talking about businesses, that are talking about going further, that are talking about the Hebrew congregation and where we came from and how and how to move forward. You, you have got to get around your, your, your church folks, whoever that's uplifting for you, okay? You have got to educate yourself. Your physical health, number three, eating healthy, exercising, sleeping properly, uh, drinking water to stay hydrated hydrated. This will help you feel more positive. You need those things. Okay. Dealing with your physical health. Number four, intellectual health. Exercise your mind, learning a new skill, acquiring knowledge, the balance of your life and open up doors. This will help balance your life and open up doors. I'm in school now. I'm 50 years old. I was like, man, my mind is already fried. I'm 50. And uh, I started school last week for my brokerage. It was scary when I got picked up all the books, had to pay that tuition. But when I got in class, I felt good because I was around positive people that's trying to do the same thing as me in my age group, trying to build wealth, okay? Number five, environmental health. Your daily stress living conditions affect how you impact your mental illness if it's negative and if it's less ideal. So what is she talking about? Your relationship, your social situation, your physical health, people putting their hands on you and doing things, your relationship, somebody mentally badgering you. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be putting up with those things. That's stressors. That beats you down, your mental health. Then you run out here and what? Be more promiscuous because you got to prove to yourself something. No. Get around positive people, okay? Number six, boundaries. Excuse me for a second. I'm trying to go through this kind of quick, but yet trying to let it marinate in too. Your boundaries, learn to say no. Learn to say no to things that are not essential, okay? So you'll feel guilty because so many times you've been saying yes. So you'll feel that guilt from family and friends for a minute, but you have to stand up for yourself and you have to pay, take back your time. 
because your time is very valuable. Your time is what's going to give you time to exercise. Your time alone is going to give you time to think of what direction I want to go in, read books, start getting around more positive people in groups. You're going to need that time to yourself, okay? You're going to have to take it back. And number seven, self-care. Look at what we need. Look at what you need the most, right? Taking time to nurture your body, your soul, and your spirit. And that's what we're doing now. We're nurturing our spirit. I look forward to every Saturday because when the world has beat me up all week and, 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 and sickness has come, I feel so good after the Hebrew congregation and listening and being around those like spirits and praying with them. Yeah, I do it through the week, but it, it's nothing like a congregation together, okay? And so um, and this, will, this, uh, this will not only improve your life, but the lives of others. Your children, having more patience with them, quit beating up on them all the time, okay? So Easter, how do I come out of this? You, you, okay, so you told me, Easter, about your situation. You seem to be doing all right. How did you come out of it? I'm going to tell you what I did. All I can do is tell you what I did. That's why you need therapists, because I'm not equipped to deal with that stuff. Yes, I can pray with you. We can talk. But there, there are therapists out there that give you, like I say, techniques. There's, there's things out there with your bipolar and your blood that gives you medicines that you need. Okay. Uh, Minister Mike tells you about some medicine and staying hydrated out of foods, natural things. Okay. So this is how I came up. First of all, I gave my life to Christ, to our Yahweh, our Yahshua. That, that was my first step, okay? And then I moved away from a negative environment. I left Erie, I left Mevo, and I, and I left neighborhoods in Houston. That, that my environment that I weren't happy in, and I didn't have to rob, steal, prostitute to get there. I worked hard and, and, I, and I got there and bought a house and saved up my money. So step by step by step. Okay. I got an education. I never got my degree, but I got all these certificates enough to survive that I've, I've made six figures selling houses and, and I, I own a fitness studio, different things I've done. Get you a trade, education, okay? I exercise, I just told you I own the fitness studio. I didn't even know, see, God was just leading me. What they say those endorphins and stuff go through when you exercise, I wrote a book. If I, if I wrote a book, that means I was reading books, right? I continue to separate myself from negative people and situations. And I do that today. I have friends, if they start complaining too much, I'll say, listen, I, I, I can't do this negativity. I've seen people and the first thing they say, oh, you know, uh, your hair is out of place or they find something on you. And, and that's the first thing you see. So first say hi to me, greet me. Cause I didn't even have to come see you. You, you, you going around that negativity, first of all, you need to address it. And if they don't get it, you need to stay away from it. Just pray for them from a distance. I've done that and I continue to do that. Number six, charity and community work. Working for free, exercising people. I went out to uh, exercise the people for free who had AIDS. 
I went out and exercised senior citizens. You meet so many new people that uplift you and you happy and you're not asking for them for, for nothing. It's a great feeling, charity. And it's not all about money. It was about my time. And then at, at the senior place, they weren't paying me. They started uh, having a donation thing. I had so much money in there. I would just dump it inside a, a, a little um, shoebox. And at the end of the year, it'd be about seven, $800 in that shoebox that they just donated to me that they would put a dollar in. But God, your self-care, saying no, having boundaries. You can say no, and you better have some boundaries because people will, are like leeches. Some people, they will use you till you can't be used anymore. They'll have money in their pocket and take yours. That's why you got to check with God, especially a single woman. He is, God is the head of your household. You got to start praying and different things before you use money or do things for people and how you move. And then when you get married, you have two coverings. Your husband, you checking with him on things and God. All right. And I protect my peace at all costs. I protect my peace at all costs because if I don't have my peace and I don't have my mental stability, I don't have anything. I can't help you. If I'm over here crying, depressed and broke down, how am I supposed to be praying for you? Those spirits will transfer on you. You got to be careful. So I got to deal with me. And my mother used to tell me, you only got 24 hours to be depressed about something. You got 24 hours to grieve. Other than that, after that, you kick the dust off your feet, you, you do your hair, you take your bath and you keep it moving. Don't stay there. And that resonates in me. The things, your, your parents, the things you say to your kids, that stuff is in their spirit. Quit calling them dumb and stupid and this and that. Speak positivity into their lives. My mother used to tell me, look people in the eye. They're no better than you. They change their underwear and their pants one leg at a time, just like you do. That stuff stuck, stuck with me. Okay, and so 50 to 60% of Americans struggle with mental health. There is 50 to 60% of Americans struggling with mental health, okay? Um, the mental health study shows that one out of three Black children in the U.S. have exposed to two to eight adverse childhood experiences. One out of three ch Black children have ex been exposed to some traumatic things that happen in their life that could make them mentally ill, depressed. That's what that's saying. Our children go to school and if they act up, they say, oh, they're dumb or they need a, they're ADA or they need medication. They, and the, the teachers are saying these things to our kids. But you let a white child come in there and say, oh, they're expressing themselves. Harry or Susie, she's expressing herself. And I'm not being racist. This is true. Easter keeping real. This is stuff that we are dealing with. We got to recognize. Okay, and then the environment that they're in. Don't tell me living in a project and hearing gunfire at night, and, and that's not traumatic. Don't tell me when their parents get pulled over and their fathers and they're going to school and their fathers get beat up in front of them and the police and get dragged off in front of them doesn't affect them. It does. This is a serious hour. 
Oh, she lit today. Yeah, I'm lit today. 20 Black Americans, adults deal with uh, mental health issues, but only 25 seek treatment. 20% of Black Americans deal with mental health issues. And that's just what's on the book, because we know a lot of times we just go to church or pray. We don't even tell anybody. This is that's on the books, and only 25 seek treatment. So before I go into the suicidal, I didn't even hit the suicidal part. Before I go into the suicidal subject, does anybody want to uh, comment on the mental health? What I just uh, stated about mental health before I go into the suicidal? Yeah, um, the, um, I, I like all seven of those um, those points that you um, elaborated on, um, especially about the, the the eating healthy and stuff like that. But a lot of times, though we're eating healthy, is how we deal with stuff and the and the amount of stuff that we may be dealing with. So when you said about don't isolate and everything, a lot of times that's what happened to people, especially like you was in a great segue into suicide because what they do, they will isolate themselves. And then they get in their own heads and they convincing themselves of one thing, like you said, with your, with your, uh, when your mother passed, you know, you in your mind, in your head, wasn't nobody there. And it was a whole place full of, full of people and everything. But it's like, when we get in our own head, we can convince ourselves. And that's how the enemy works. He likes to isolate. What did he do with Eve? He isolated her. Mm -hmm. He got her to himself to where he can put stuff in her head. And what did she do? Once she got infected with that, then she went and infected Adam. Oh, look, you know, I'm still alive. <laughs> Stuff like that. After eating, eating the apple. So the same thing happens there. You know, we'll isolate ourselves, convince ourselves of our mind. I remember years ago, this pastor told me the greatest battleground for the adversary is between these infinitesimal things we call ears, which is your mind, your head. Mm -hmm. Once he get in your head and convince you of something, that's kind of like how it is with, with sin. It's not until it illuminates in our mind and we start thinking about it, then we want to act on it. Right. It becomes a thought and then we, we change it into an action. The same thing that happened with, with suicide. It becomes a thought. But the scripture tells us, take everything that exalts itself above God and you have the power, you have the authority, and you have the right to pull down all those strongholds, all those high thoughts and everything, and destroy them under the word of God. And so, you know, you don't want to isolate yourself. You want to stay around positive people. I had a friend, just like he said, no matter how many accomplishments he made, promotion, new house, Mercedes, everything he got, I knew once he told me about it, there was a negative to come behind it. Mm. He got promoted, all the people that he, in, in his, uh, on his team, in his department. He got this Mercedes. Oh, the bill. Got this big two-story home. Oh, I got to do this repair and everything. Everything that he, and it was like, it became so emotionally draining for me. I was like, and finally, when I would see his name come up, and like, I had to avoid it. Because once I got off the phone with him, I was exhausted. Mm. And I wasn't even the one. So we have to be, like you said, we have to create and set boundaries. That is so important. Boundaries, no isolation, stay around positive stuff, and eating healthy. Because sometimes doing that, we also need to eat healthy because that's going to help our whole brain function and stuff and our reason. But we, it's like they go together. Eat healthy, eat healthy, yourself. stay hydrated. All of these things affect your brain and your gut. And your gut is known as your second brain. So if your 
gut is out of order, you can expect a whole bunch of other things to go out of order with, with, your, uh, with your body. I saw a video yesterday. This, this pastor, he slammed his hand in a door. And he began jumping up and down, jumping up and down, and waving his arms and everything because of the pain. Because everything was connected. Though it was the hand that got smashed, everything else was tied to the body and reacted. So we have to do accordingly. And a lot of times, if we have that special person or that one person talking to God, getting it out and everything, that extra connection will help alleviate a lot of a lot of stuff. Self-care. Like I say, every last one of these points, all seven points, seven, the number of completion. Yes. Thumbs up. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Thank you. And I did seven of uh, the mental health disorders seven uh mental uh health the good one and i did seven on how i came out of it holy number and i hadn't planned it i just happened to see it on the paper and then there was seven suicides in the bible huh so god is dealing with this anyone else have anything they want to say about uh mental health before uh, i move over to suicide i uh will just chime in briefly um again your uh, appetite, let me call it that, what you eat, what you ingest, it will eventually take form, take shape and show on the outside, especially those uh, thoughts that you have about uh, negativity. My, what I have done, just like you, what I have done, I must cast that thing off immediately. Amen. Because if I let it sit there for not even half a minute, it's got it's in there to uh, grab hold. And once it grab hold, it will not let go. So therefore it's locked in because you've thought about it and you've entertained it. So now what do you do? It's in there to stay and it's gonna be a fight to get it out. You have to cast that off. You have to recognize immediately, this is not right. This is not me. This is what, not what the father said about me. Uh -huh. You have to know who you are. You have to know who you are in him. Because if you do not, those thoughts, uh, th that's what they are, thoughts. And the thing about it is thoughts are things too. They can materialize. And that's not what you want. You don't want to give them place, room, or authority. And anybody with authority, be very afraid sometimes be afraid because they will use it and if they use it they could use it possibly the wrong way cast those thoughts off get rid of them however you need to because once they get in and you let them sit for a minute they're in to stay and then you have a double fight of trying to get rid of them one gentleman that i know personally he's a i'm a fan of his or was and i couldn't imagine that this person did this but it was Robin Williams. He was a movie star and he did all of the great works like uh, Minister Michael was saying, movies, fame, fortune, all of that. And I could not understand why he took his own life. I didn't know, I couldn't imagine what could have hurt him that much uh, that he would want to end it all. Because once you end it all, you can't, you know, okay, well now it's over with. No, it's through. Mm -hmm. We haven't gotten others. on the suicide yet. We're getting there. 
Okay. But we know, so, like I said, we must agree that it starts with the mental health. It, it all mm -hmm. starts with mental health. Yes. So I'm going to end it there. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I, I just wanted to um, also um, mention as because it kind of connects with what um, Akola Lisa was saying, television. And, you know, lately, you know, the most high has been dealing with me in terms of it's telling you a vision. So what is it telling you? And what are you letting it tell you when we're we're entertaining ourselves with it? I believe that Shaul said that if you um anything you entertain yourself with, you are also taking part in. So we we take on these things that we watch and we ingest. And so when um Brother Mike was saying, you know, he was talking about the food ingestion, I suddenly thought of, but television is also ingesting something, it's just ingesting it mentally. And so when we're ingesting, it affects our mood. I know for me, for sure, I definitely, when I'm trying to decrease my pressure and, and all of that, I start being careful of what I'm watching. Is it making me happy? Is it making me sad? Is it making me take on problems in my life that I don't even have by watching it and joining in on the show that has these issues and they're, they're full of drama and issues? And so that's one that I think a lot of people don't think of while they think it's just entertainment, but it's affecting their mood. And life is hard enough, you know, without and, that. <laughs> and, you know, and like, like you were saying, you know, when we think of it as a, from a physical standpoint of eating, mm -hmm. and you take that on a more visual, spiritual level and everything, everything that you eat mm -hmm. at some point and in some form is going to come out. It's either going to come out in the production of your skin being healthy. Or you're going to break out either in hives. It's going to come out. Um, either through urinary or through um, bowel movement, but it's going to come out. Same thing happens when you take things in internally, emotionally. At right. some point, like with the, right. the whole thing, with, the, right. with how you're affected, like she was saying, the trauma and stuff like that, it's going to come out in behavior, whether they just going to shut down, like that, that, that movie by, um, and, and that poem by Maya Angelou, Why the Caged Bird Sings. Mm -hmm. And the girl just shut down from what she saw. Right. Didn't speak for all those years. And sometimes it will have come out another way where they become violent. And we're like, why are they so bad? And everything. They have witnessed something. And if you digest that trash, Jerry Springer, I, I, for the life of me, I don't know why that show is still on. It's been on so long. Mm -hmm. People fighting in that trash and what they say and about uh, relationships, destroying marriages destroying lives you you and that's you sit there every day and watch the young and the restless and that jerry springer trash that's what you're going to put out when yeah, you're and you and your it. husband get home and that's what you're going to attract because that's what you're digesting mentally i can't <laughs> trust anybody this person might be gay and this and all this and all this negativity stop <laughs> listening to that trash and get around positive things. Read positive things. The Bible, the Sefer. Yes, Amen. So, so what I'm getting is be aware of where you're receiving your external stimuli. Right. Exactly. Very important. Exactly. That's yep. very important because yep. think about the music that you listen to. Yeah. Does it put you in a depressive mood or does right. it uplift you? Right. Music is an external what stimuli. It, it, right. And affects. Yeah your internal, yeah. right? Your spirit man and your mental man. Right. So that's a very important thing to do because we are careful how we speak to our children because again, our words are another form of external stimuli. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Like the television, you know, what you see. It, 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 what's that saying? Misery loves the, company. Misery demands company. <laughs> demands. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That's that's Jerry Springer. He yeah. knows. Right. You know, and the sad part about it, like when you were talking, uh, Minister Easter, about a lot of times you don't know what's going on in the ghetto. You don't witness um, gunshots and stuff like that. And sometimes it's not it may not be in your environment. It may be in your own home that you're witnessing violence. I, I witnessed it as a child, violence in my home. You know? So it, different things affect people differently. You know, some people will be repeaters of it and others, they, they go 180 degree from it, you know. And let me reiterate what I said for the ones who just tuned in and the ones who just got on. One out of three black children in the United States have been exposed to two to eight adverse childhood experiences, which could make them go mentally ill or have mm-hmm. depression. One out of three, that's a lot. Yes. Yeah. And so, we gotta, be, too many. we gotta be careful on what we're letting our child listen to. Just because you you wanna listen to rap, that's going into your child ear gates too. So you gotta be careful. Just cause you wanna cuss people out. They're listening, they're watching you, they're little recorders. Sponges, they soak up everything. And yes, everything. when the police pull you over and you're afraid and you shaking and, and, and they may drag you out of the car, that affects your child. And when your kid goes to school and they tell them uh, they, you got nappy head, you can't, you're not more than enough, that affects our children. Yes. That's why you have to communicate with your child and talk to them. How's your day going? What happened? Sit at the table with them and have dinner with them and quit giving them microwavable TV dinners and putting them at the table and cereal and not talking to you. Communicate with your child. You know, it that's important. Children so much to the point that when you are carrying them in your belly, they hear everything. They know my son knew his name when he was born because I called him when I carried him. All of my children. I did too. Griff, so I, I called it's not just when they get my stomach. It yeah. is happening when they are conceived. So be aware. And then, and, and then if you're, if you're uh, battling bipolar depression, you're going to have to pray that off your child. There are things called generational curses and you can break them. You're going to have to watch that. And you're going to have to break that from your child with prayer. I knew some things that went on with me. Like I said, I had experienced some depression and I knew some things that went on with, with, with Gris father. I had to pray that off for him. Those things are real. And the, and the way you're going to do that is what? Change their environment. Change how you what you put into them. Take time with them. Say no to some people that cross your boundaries and instill time into your child. Because that's what you're responsible for the most is your fruit. So what you're saying in one way is know your child. That's you right. May, if you have three children, they're all going to come in the same household, but their personalities and the way they receive stimuli is going to be different. So it's important for us to know each child. You know, one of the mistakes we make is forcing our children to go in a direction that they're really not prepared to go in. And so we can put so much stress on them trying to make them say, you know, uh, um, Easter said, I didn't go to college and get a degree. You know what? College is not for everybody. Mm-hmm. You can be successful with a third grade education. You know, of course, I'm for education, right? 
And I desire for everyone to, in, or my children to be educated, but they don't have to. But they, but I would say, know your children mm-hmm. and help them to formulate a plan for their life. In, in a, again, this is how we, we, we steer our children and, and support them in what they're doing. That affects their inner man when they know that our, my family is going to, or my parents are going to support me if I get into trouble. You, we have to tell them. If you, you know, you're my child, no matter where you find yourself, you can always come home. When you tell your children that, imagine how that makes them feel instead of cursing them out and telling them you're never going to be anything. Tell them you can be anything you want to be and you let them know that if you fail, come home and we will start all over. We will start all over again if that's what it takes. And so, so, so there's a learning here for all of us, right? You know, we know where we came from. We know what kind of household we grew up in, and we have to look for the positive and 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 get that negative things out of them, and to make sure that we we support our children, the younger ones, where they are. We have to know our children. That is one of the first lines of defense. Know your child. That's right, and then you'll know. You know, the most of the kids that get raped or molested. It's not by people they they don't know. It's by people that they know. And if Mm -hmm. you see a a change in your child, your child should not be frightened, uh, that frightened to come and that they can't talk to you. You know your child. You know there's a change. They're wet in the bed. They're not wet in the bed for no reason if they've never been wet in the bed. Come on now. Yeah. But a lot of parents, they don't want to deal with it because then they got to deal with that they didn't protect. They feel like they didn't protect them. And sometimes that's true and sometimes that's not. But you, you have to get to the root of this because now we're going to get on the, the, the suicide. Like I said, this is just like a long conversation. When I started digging into this, I'm like, my God. And well, then I, I said, I, I got to talk. I have to talk about some of my issues too, which I've got on here and, I, and I've talked about them. They're real. And we have got to deal with them. And each generation should get better. I went to college, but I didn't finish. I got some trades. I own my own business. So my son, he did. Griffey went to call, he finished. Each generation should get better and better and more enhanced. I own a business, he should own a corporation or a franchise. But just, it, it, should, it should be getting better and better and better each generation if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And it doesn't even have to be finance. He become a, a preacher, a minister, whatever. Or all of the above. <laughs> um, Griff, Griff, did you have something you want to say before I move on to suicide? Yeah, real quick. Uh, I want to circle back around to um, when talking about your child, we were watching, me and my, my wife and I were watching the news the other day, and there's an organization out in Oakland, and they were talking about uh, empowering young, girl, young Black girls' voice. And they pulled up the statistic. I can't remember the exact statistic, but one of the things they said was uh, most black girls lose their voice. And, and this goes for a lot of different uh, subgroups, but they were talking specifically about young black girls. And they said they lose their voice by third grade. That's usually the time where they, they stop uh, with most of their curiosity and stop kind of asserting themselves with their strong voice. And they were saying more than any other thing that takes that voice, do you know who it is? Anybody have a guess? More than any other factor, what takes that voice from them? Parents. Partially parents. But the big thing that they said was teachers. 
that the teacher trying to force the child into into uh, this Western standard of behavior of you know sit in your seat and do it this way and do it this way that a lot of times is robbing these children of their voice because they think they're wrong. And it's interesting as an educator, I've seen it so many times. Now even her parents say, I was around a parent the other day at a basketball game and she was saying, yeah, I don't even communicate with this person anymore because every time I talk to them, they think I'm yelling at them, right? Just not understanding the cultural piece of how cultures are different and how I'm not yelling at you, I'm just talking to you directly. Um, and so I was going back to that piece of knowing your child and um, understanding you know, something's off, you have to check these teachers as well and know who's teaching your child for eight hours a day and what they're putting in your child, not only what they're putting in your child, but how they're communicating with them and if they are putting barriers around them because of their communication styles with them, right? And so we know that in this Western world, in this Egypt, a lot of um, cultural pieces are missing for us in schools. We're being educated by folks who aren't necessarily culturally identical to us or don't necessarily understand our culture. So I just wanted to reiterate, I know you were, we were talking about that. I wanted to reiterate that piece of understanding from a teacher perspective, first and foremost, who is teaching your child and what kind of personality they have and how what kind of training they have with diverse populations. Um, but also just making sure that, like you already said, sister, that when they come home, you're debriefing with them and understand what their experiences are so you can catch this stuff uh, as soon as it starts to come up if somebody is putting those barriers on your child through their education. Amen. And, and I can say out of Erie, Pennsylvania, I never had a black teacher. Out never. of my whole life, I never had a black teacher. I had a gym teacher that was black, but I never had one, not one black teacher. Out of Erie and Texas and Houston, I never had one. Wow, there that's interesting. There it is. Oh, well, yeah, I'm, I, I guess we were blessed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, same I here. I, I had uh, uh, black teachers from junior high all the way through my senior year. <laughs> yeah, from elementary school, my 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 kindergarten teacher was actually, and she was my first favorite teacher. Wow. She was she was African American. Yeah. Well, I've never I had, had, I, I had, had I never yeah. I never had one. I come from a prominently white area, and um, racism is real there. The Klan is real there, and there's a lot of trauma that I, I've seen and went through. I, I can say that, but God. Uh, but I also, I also want to be very clear, even if you're in a black school, uh, you're it's still plugging into a lot of the structures of this Western world. So there's a lot of black schools and black teachers and I've been a part of, of, of one that still propagate this system and still uh, you know, have this school to prison pipeline filled to it, different things. And so it's, even if they are black educators, it's still to be cautious about who, you know, what your child is intaking when they're at this place for eight hours a day. And so, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's more on the radar when you don't have teachers that look like you, but in the same breath, you know, uh, they're still learning from the same educational programs. They're still uh, getting this information from the same educational theories. And so it's just be cautious about that. Um, because that was that was amazing research to me when they said that, you know, by third grade usually is when it's gone and it's teachers a lot more than anything else that shifts that for students. You know, that's that's awesome. You know, I, I can't you know, I can almost speak for Coda uh, Lisa and myself because we come in the same. We grew up together, basically in the same community. And so we had relatives and friends that were our teachers. So we had a positive, you know, uh, I say a positive um, affect from our teachers 
and it allows us to know when things are not right in certain situations. We know when we're treated equally and when we're not. And a lot of that comes from, again, from our teachers who really loved us and cared for us. And they knew our parents on a personal level. So that's important. The, the yes. teachers that we send our children to. And that's another reason why it's so important for us in our community to have our own what teachers, people yeah. that we are familiar, even as we're talking about counseling and, and mental health, mental health from people that uh, have the same belief system that you are can go beyond the organic, you know, and the the pills and the drugs that they use oftentimes. Whereas if you have a person that has the same, you know, background as you in, I'm talking about, of course, in our community where we believe, right? We believe and we, we know that the structure of man is more than just what you see. Those kinds of people are, are, are more instrumental to us. Again, and this all goes back to the same thing uh, as Minister Griff is saying, our teachers, have so much influence over our children that we have to be careful who is educating our children. Do they really love them? You know, do they really love them? And when right. they correct them, do they correct them in love? Mm -hmm. You know, that's important. Right. Our kids are with, with them a, a long hours of the day, mostly more than when we with them because yeah. they got to go to sleep. And you know that, you know, all this is, when you keep digging, like I said, it's just a bag of worms because we go back to the Jim Crow laws. Back when there was the this, this segregation, we were teaching our own children. They weren't allowed with the white kids. Was that worse or was that better? <laughs> Let's think about it. So we were teaching our own children. And then we had our own barbers. We had our own grocery stores. They said, put, put those Negroes, whatever they wanted, you know, nigger, Negroes, blacks. We didn't call it five, six different things in one area. And then at some point, the redevelopment came in and said, hold up, they're getting rich over there. We're missing that money. We got to separate them now. We got to spread them out because we got to get that. We, we need that extra money that's coming in. And the, the barbers was getting rich. The mom and pop grocery stores, was getting, we had black businesses. Yeah. So it, 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 like, like Minister Mike, it's a plethora of things that have, has gone on. And that's why we have to be careful in our household. We got so much on the outside that's against us. We can't come home to that confusion right. and that mess and tearing each other down and hate and jealousy and grief. Yeah. You sitting on the couch, you didn't watch Jerry Springer. Now you want to accuse your husband of some stuff he didn't even do that's in your head. <laughs> you didn't want to, you want to cuss out the kid because you didn't have a bad day at work. No, leave that stuff at the door. Love on them. Talk to them. Get you, know, you some therapy if you need it. I, I was just about to say that when you talked about that very first bullet point in your list where it talked about seek and get the help, that is so, so key because when we don't deal with those mental emotional issues and everything, they deal with us. When we don't control them, they control us. And, and that's the, and you know, for the ones who's just tuning in, therapy is not being weak. Right. That's what we've been taught. Therapy it takes a strong person to see weak. that. That's what we've that. been taught in the black community. Just go to church and pray and be done with it. That, that, that's what I was taught. 
That's mm. that's not true. And quit saying uh, because there's a, a white therapist, they can't help you. They can't. No, they don't know your struggles as a, as a black American, but they have techniques and they have medicines if you're bipolar to test your blood to help you. Yeah. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. Okay. All right. So let's go into the suicide. So I, I, I told you, I knew this was going to be a long topic. I don't even know if we, we going to get to some other stuff. That's but, all good. It's all good. Yeah. yeah I just but, decided to pause. <laughs> I <can go> further. <laughs> Sometimes we just need to talk about these issues and get them out because they're real. There's yeah. a demonic suicidal presence on the land. It's on the land. And so we, we heard about what Miss USA, 30 years old, that Chelsea, uh, Chris, however you say her last name, cause you know, I could mess up a name. She committed suicide, jumped from 60 stories. Then we heard about Regina King, only son, Ivan Alexander, 26 years old. He committed suicide. Yes, these are celebrities prominent people, but let me tell you, there is, uh, the suicide rate is 13.42 per 100,000 person. You know what that means? That means 132 people commit suicide every day. 132 people in the United States commit suicide every day. And that's not even including the attempts. Some of them don't, can't even, don't even do that right. Okay. So that's not even including that attempts. That is a lot. And let's, let's go back biblically to this. And so there were seven suicides in the, in the death. Uh, Amalek was, was the first one in Judges 9 and 54. Samson, Judges 16 and 30. Saul in 1 Sam uh, 31 and 4, he fell on his sword, remember? Then his armor bearer, committed suicide in 1 Sam 31 and 5. He fell on Saul's sword again. Uh, Uthophel is in 2 Sam 17 and 23. Samari in 1 Kings 16 and 28, he burned the king's house and then burned himself up in there. And then we know Judas, Matthew 27 and 5, the betrayal of Yahshua. He hung himself, right? That demon is real. That demon's been back so long and we and it starts with that mental health disorders it starts with those anxieties it starts with with bad thoughts it, it, it starts with beating up on your, your children when they're small it starts with the environment they come in it starts with their eating and not sleeping it all materializes there we've got to deal with this this suicidal spirit that's on the land Anybody want to talk about? There's a hotline that you can call. It's one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, put my little two cents in about the uh, an experience I had with the whole hotline. Okay. So back in probably I think this is like two thousand. I want to say eleven or ten. Um, there was a, a guy I had. He was like a summer aide that I had had like maybe ten years prior to that. And then he went off to prison and stuff like that. And then once he got out, he, you know, reached out to me and, you know, I kind of helped him, you know, get back on his, his feed, you know, with interviews and clothing and all, all, all the above. And eventually he got into a relationship with a girl stuff. And, but then he got back into the whole drug thing. And so that alone right there is already going to affect your mind. You know, we already talked about staying sober. And, and we need to realize when we go to these uh, when, and we see the establishment that say they sell wine and spirits, 
Okay, what's the spirit stuff they sell? Mm -hmm. huh? what's, the, what's the spirit stuff? Okay, I get the wine, but, but spirits too? So to make a long story short, um, after probably a year of him being out, he had got an apartment with her. Then eventually they got a house together over in, uh, on, the in south si on the south side of Houston and everything. And then, and I, at that particular time, I didn't have um, a cell phone, but something happened. There was a death in a friend of my family and they didn't want me traveling, you know, without a cell phone. So this was going to be an East Texas. So she got me a phone and eventually she said, I'm going to put you on the plan. So I would like send out an email blast that I had this uh, cell phone. So he responded on that Monday, sent out on the Sunday. And he said, I've been trying to get a hold of you. I've been trying to get a hold of you. And I was like, well, what's up? He said, because um, I just want to let you know that I'm getting ready to leave. Well, I knew he was California, so I'm thinking he's going back to California. Mm. And uh, eventually he stated that he had he had wanted to have like one last night with his girl and he wanted to have it at a nice place at a, at a hotel, but he couldn't do it because he didn't have a credit card. Eventually he got to the point to where he, it wasn't because he was leaving, going back to California, he was going to take his life. Mm. And I said, Nigo, wait a minute. You want me to rent you a hotel room so you can have one last night encounter, then you're going to commit suicide in the room that I done rented with my credit card and my name. So I said, it ain't going to happen, you know. So I got to talking to him, and then he didn't want to hear none of that stuff because it was making too much light, and he got off the phone. So we talked again later on that evening because this was all happening at work. So this was like on, on, on a Monday, like I say. So then eventually he, like uh, that Tuesday, he called me back that morning and I talked to him that morning and then eventually, you know, that night and stuff, uh, that, that afternoon. And he was still talking about, at some point, whenever I was talking logically, when he was trying to talk about take his life and talk about his kids, I, for some reason in his head, he was in military, he thought that his kids were going to be taken care of because of his insurance policy. And I'm like, do you not know when you commit suicide, that, that voids out your insurance policy? So your kids not going to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. you know, and he was trying to get me to take care of him. I said, no, if you love them like you say you do, you're going to be around for them. So that night um, when I got out of class, I was trying to reach him, couldn't reach him, couldn't reach him. I talked to one of my spiritual uh, leaders about it and everything. He said, I just believe that before he leaves this earth, he said, I don't know what hotel he at, whether it's going to be the maid or whether it's going to be somebody, uh, the front desk, they're going to witness to him. Well, about Three, four o'clock in the morning, he called me. And all during that day, you know, I had been try trying to reach him and stuff. Made the phone call. He told me where he was located off the Beltway. I, and he wanted to pray. Oh. I was like, oh, wow. He said, if you don't want to do it, I said, no, no, no. So I actually went to him, four o'clock in the morning, grabbed my Bible, grabbed my oil, grabbed my talit, drove and, and met him. It was at Home, Home Depot, right there off of Bel Air in the Beltway. And when he got out the truck, a big poof of smoke. So I knew he was hot. And his girlfriend ran into my arms. And then I told her, I said, go ahead. You know, I'm going to talk to him. So we actually ended up talking and stuff. And then we talked for about an hour. And then finally, he was like saying he wanted to go home. So I'm like, good. Called her back. She came back and got him. So then I asked him about their relationship. But you're sure? They had none. I said, okay, you know what? We're getting ready to do the sinner's prayer. Mm -hmm. did that they went home and so like I said this is all like four five six seven o'clock and I had to be at work went on to work 
Around noontime, another friend of mine that he knew called and said he was talking the suicide thing again. So I said, you talk to her, but he wouldn't talk to nobody. I said, you talk to her, I'm going to call suicide prevention. How about I call suicide prevention? They put me on hold. Mm. I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. And I'm like, think I said, you know what? I'm glad I'm not the one that's committing suicide because they may come back to a, a dog talk. <laughs> you know, and they never came back on the phone. That flabbergasted me. Needless to say, by the time I got off of work that evening, I got a phone call. And I could feel it that this was not, because it was his girlfriend calling me. And all she said when I picked up the phone was, Mike, he gone. Mm, mm, mm. And he did not want her to be alone. So what, what he did was they rode around all day long after he ate and slept smoking, because that was going to give him the courage. That spirit, that drug, that spirit lied to him and gave him courage, which is like the, a lot of times they do even in a lot of the games. The kids, they can't commit the murder or they can't handle it after they do the murder. So they get them high. So it can alleviate the stress and the pain for them taking a the life. Hmm. And so uh, what he did was after he got high enough, he went over to her parents' house and they, cause they all knew what was going on. He pushed her into the family, ran across the street and shot herself in the head. Hmm. So they talk about the spirit of the suicide ain't real. Trust me, it's real. Mm -hmm. And we have to keep our minds sober and we have to stay in the word. We have to get help because it doesn't get better by not getting help. So, so we can't sorry, handle so, it on so, our own. So, so sorry to hear that you experienced that with the friend. I've, I've experienced it with the friend too, who had committed suicide. And so, um, I mean, we encourage you to dial that 1-800 number. Maybe it's gotten better. Mm -hmm but reach out to somebody like he did right. reach out to you. So reach yeah. out to some people. And it was so prophetic when, when, the, when, the, uh, when, the, when the pastor told me, he said, I just believe before he leave earth, he gonna be introduced to Yeshua. Never thought it was gonna be me. Never in a million years would have thought I'd been put in a situation like that until it happened. So even we have to stay ready because we don't know who, friend, because it may even just be a strange odyssey. We may run, run, run into that. You know? it's, it's a demonic darkness. It's a demonic spirit in this exactly. world. Anybody else? Thank you for sharing that, Minister Mike. And I'm so sorry. Um, is there anybody else who want to share a story that they may have? Mine's is more brief um, where it's just it because it was more like we found out I was a teenager and we found out it was two church friends, actually interestingly enough, and they were both friends. Actually, one of the friends was dating the other friend's sister, um, brother. But um, in both cases, but one of them was a childhood friend that I, she was actually at one point my best friend and we grew up. And it was after the fact that I found out that she had made the attempt because someone found her just in time and rushed her to the hospital. And in both cases, they were found in time to rush them to the hospital. But um, and that's when you started finding out details about what they were going through and all of this. And so she's actually to this day, the person, the per reason why I don't change my phone number and stuff, because I was like, whenever you need to reach me, just call me, but don't do that, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and but it was just it always put I think after those two situations, 
it always put this thing in my mind to pay attention to my my friends and what's going on with them. And if something looks off, go, you sure you're okay? You know, and maybe just don't leave them, you know, in those kind of situations where you see something about them seems off because I was, it bothered me. I was like, all of us were around them laughing, he, 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 ha, ha, ha. And none of us realized that they were at that close enough to that state that they could take their lives. And so, yeah, it definitely changed my life. And I think that's more of the story is what it did to me afterwards in terms of being mindful of my friends and not taking, you know, the thing that they may be saying is bothering them for granted, you know, and making sure it's, it's not just a, you know, this is what I'm going through at the moment, but I can get through this and, and checking to make sure it's not something more severe because a lot of times, you know, the person in trouble is right next to us and we just miss it. We're, we're so consumed that we miss it, you know, and we could save a life that way. So thank you for, sh for sharing that testimony. We have to look at, like you said, people as souls. You got to quit looking at people as, as a quick fix. Well, here, let me help you with your rent and let me help you that real quick and, and get on out my face. I, I didn't done that. You got to look at them as souls and minister to them. And that's why I said you will break, uh, your testimony will break yokes. And that's why I, I put my stuff out there. It don't feel good, but you, you have to get down to the root of what the problem is with people. And then that's when they'll open up to you. And that's when you're able best to minister and help them. Is uh, I know uh, I had a friend and uh, I grew up with him. His father committed suicide. And then he had told me he wanted to go the same way. So I had ministered to him. And I was very young. We probably was like 18, 19 years old. Then he went off to the military. And so he did. He ended up at some point, I picked up the newspaper and saw he, he had committed suicide. Suicide is such a selfish, selfish uh, uh, thing that people do. I felt like he was very selfish. And the ones that you leave, they dealt with that body, whether you didn't shot yourself in the head or, and, and they dealt with what could I have done more? It's, yes. it's so selfish to, yeah. for someone to commit suicide. But then there's a mental darkness that comes over them that we can't explain because it's not in us. Right. And so... Just because it's not in you don't mean it's not happening. Just because you didn't see it didn't mean it didn't happen. It's happening. And if you got rich folks like that, that Miss USA, she was beautiful. She had everything going for herself. She was an attorney and she committed suicide. That demon is real and we have got to deal with it. She reached out to her mother and said she was depressed. And I, I don't know if she could have done more or less. I, I don't know, but I know we have to deal with it. And I know Regina King's son, I, I looked him up. He, he was, um, they said transsexual and then they put pansexual. I didn't even know what that was. And that's like liking transsexuals, liking men, liking women and liking a uh, different gender mix. It's so much evil and stuff out here that the United States is putting in our children. And, it's, and like Griff said, it's in the schools. Mm -hmm. They are teaching in the schools that it's okay to be bisexual and transsexual and polysexual and, and all that, all these different things. It's wrong. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. It's wrong for you to teach my kid that. It's wrong. It's one thing to say, don't bully people and don't hurt people. It's another thing to tell them it's okay. And that's why you gotta know what's going in. You gotta talk to your children and know what's going on and what they're teaching them. Amen. You, you, the you know, devil one of the, is at his peak right now. He is not sugarcoating things. 
And, and, Trump has, and Trump has opened the door to this hate. And, and people have opened the door. We had a mayor here in Houston that said it is okay and was doing transgender bathrooms and was saying it's okay for men who thought there were women to come in the bathrooms, what, to rape our children? Are you crazy? It's not okay. It's a demonic attack that's going on right here, right now. And we have got to deal with it. And you know, one of the things I found out about the individual that I, uh, I shared that had committed suicide, one of the um, deacons at my church actually knew him because he dealt in like group homes and stuff like that. And he told me actually when the guy was a little boy, one of his group home brothers did the exact same thing. So it probably was something that was traumatic. And once he grew up, his way of dealing with stuff was that because he had already seen it done. Was that your friend that you're speaking of? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I okay. also, I wanted to just, it was something that I had forgotten <laughs> with that, that was, I think, pivotal and that not only did I, when I gave her my phone number and said it would always stay the same for her to um, reach out to me, when she called, I would make sure I showed up. And I think that's important too, because it's not just enough to, to say, hey, have my phone number, and then they call you and they can never reach you. And so the praying happened, there was prayer that happened and casting out that happened, yes. But there was also the keeping my word when I said, you know, I would call. And that had to have been God, because I didn't know anything about that then. I was young myself, <laughs> you know, but somehow he used me and I did somehow do the things that needed to be done. And, and showing up is really important. And I, after a while, you know, she was able to handle things on her own, but I think that the keeping my word and showing up when she needed me was a big deal there. Amen. I'm gonna do a prayer. Thank you all for sharing your, your testimonies and your story. I'm gonna do a prayer real quick that uh, I printed. And if you're having these mental issues, if if you think that you're not more than enough, because you are more than enough, you are more than enough and you contribute to society and your kids and your family and your friends love you. Do not isolate yourself. I want you to close your eyes, everybody, and listen to this prayer. Let it marinate in your spirit. I want you to uh, play this whole thing back again and listen to what we said and some steps you should do. And I want you to delay it before Yahshua before our Yahweh and give it to him because it's too big for you. So you can touch the screen or you can just bow your head and I'm going to go ahead and read this prayer. Father God, and you have to talk to the Lord just, just like he's standing here. It says the darkness has taken hold of me and I can't find my way back to the light. In this moment, ending it all seems like the best option, the only option, the only way to escape. Yet there is something in me that wants your light to snuff out this darkness. So I ask, Lord, I ask you, Lord, that you would do just that. You are the only light that can shine in the darkness. I know when I'm consumed with these thoughts of death, I'm believing lies from the enemy. I ask, Lord, that you will remind me of these truths. When I feel alone, you are with me. When I feel invisible, you see me. When I feel worthless, you value me, knowing 
you and being by you. Lord, help me to understand that you are enough because you are everything I need and more. Remind me that when I feel hopeless, you have hope in me and for me. Remind me when I don't have words to cry out to you, your son, Yahshua, is praying for me and your spirit intercedes for me with groanings too deep for words. Let this remind me that I am seen and heard and I am deeply loved. I often feel out of place in this world. I don't fit and I am scared and I'm not sure what to do. Remind me that this world is not my home. And while as a child, I will never fit in here. My time here isn't over, not yet. Please give me the desire to live. When I feel like I don't rem matter, remind me that I was created with a purpose. When I don't know or understand why I feel this way, remind me that you know the depths of pain in my heart and in my body and in my being. You know me better than I know myself and yet you still love me. When I feel like the death would go unnoticed because my life seems to be not celebrated, remind me that you celebrate me and that you hurt when I'm in a dark place. Remind me that I am fearfully and wonderfully made and I am worth more than I know. Remind me that this life is not mine to take and remind me that suicide is not the only option. Remind me that love me and love for myself. As I say these words, I know in my heart that you love me. And I feel incredibly guilty for wanting to take my life that you gave me. I feel embarrassed to admit these thoughts to you. And I feel overwhelmed that you know these thoughts without even saying them. And yet you still love me. Remind me, Yahshua did not come to earth to die for me. Remind me that he did not come to earth to die for me so that I could live and I could defeat life. Help me to desire life and to live fully in you. In Yahshua name, amen. Father God, we thank you for that prayer. We thank you for the light, Lord, because you are that light. And anybody that's in the darkness right now, we take that darkness off of them. The devil is a liar. We ask that you right now, Lord, any thoughts that's in their head that is not of you, that you give them a sound mind and you don't let that enter their ear gates. For we know what goes in the ear gates goes into the heart and then the feet will soon follow. We ask that that positivity radiate, Lord, that seed that that mother and that father has prayed on when they're away from their children is able to reach them near and far, Father. You are our comforter, Lord. You said we are made in the image of you and we are not to destroy our flesh. We are not to hurt ourselves, Lord, but we are to be used and molded to, to guide and help and love, to serve. You are more than enough. We are more than enough. We are your children and you love us, Lord. And we give it to you. These worldly lies, 
this worldly hate, those worldly desires that the flesh always wants, medication and, and, and sex and food and all those evil things that we just consume ourselves. We wipe them away, Father, and we give it to you because it's just too big for us. You're no respect of a person. You have helped me out of dark places in my life and you will do the same for your children, for the ones who are listening right now, Father. Help them find their hiding place that they don't have to depend on me, the rabbi, the church, or no one, but you have an intimate one-on-one -on -one relationship with them because you are a show out and you are a show off God. And you will show up for them one-on-one, -on -one, that they will have a relationship with you that no devil in hell can take away. Nothing will separate me from my king. Nothing will separate me from my Yahweh. Nothing will separate me. You said not even an angel can separate me. How more that you care about me, that you would put grass on the ground and cover it, that you wouldn't come see about me or any individual that's listening right now. You are a loving God. You are a merciful God. You are a truthful God. You don't think like other people think. You don't, we are not putting you in a box right now. You said you want to write a book. God has a, a whole company for you. You said you want to own a business. God have a, a whole incorporation. He has a whole franchise for you. You said you wanted $1,000. He got a million dollars for you. He said, you said you want to be healed. He will make you a doctor. We're not putting you in a box. But almighty God, you see all, you hear all, you control all, and everything belongs to you. We are not put here to stay, but we know that be absent from the body is present with the Lord to have eternal life. We thank you, Lord, that the, the spirit of suicide is off the land. We claim it as if it is. We thank you that people are going to go get mental health right now. We thank you that they're talking out and they're connecting with positive people to bring positive things in their lives. We thank you that they're eating better and they're drinking better and they're sleeping better. We claim it. We thank you for it in advance, Lord. And we ask that the ones who have, have, have died and the other ones that are left behind, that they understand, they come to peace with whatever situation has come into their life. You are not controlling anything. Our father controls everything. And we give it to you. We give Jesus what he died for. We give Yahshua what he died for because it is too big for us. The power of prayer, praying for one another. The power of love, loving one another. But the best one is to love yourself and love God with all your heart and love thy neighbor. Give us patience with one another and help us to love one another and teach us. In Yahshua name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. And I'm going to end with, Amen. I know it's a lot, but we needed to really talk about this. And I'm going to end with two scriptures. I'm going to end with Isaiah 41 and 10 says, so do not fear, for I'm with you. And do not dismay, for I am God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with the, right, with the righteous right hand. Then I want to give you Psalms 55 and 22 says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you and he will never 
let the righteous fall. And the last one, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I have plans for you, declare the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. He loves you. You are his people. You are his chosen ones. You have to recognize that we keep telling you that. You are the chosen one. You hold the key. And that's why the attack is so much on your life. And that's why they hate you because of that. That's why. Because the devil knows your destiny too. He don't have no control over it, but he knows it. And that's why you be under attack. And that's why you have to pray. And that's why you got to know you are. And that's why you got to have power to shut his mouth, shut the devil's mouth and send him back to the pits of hell. That's why you can't live in fear. Suicide is a cowardly act. It is fear. It's a cowardly act. He did not make us like that. No, he can't have you. He can't have your life. He can't have your children. He can't have your blessings. He can't have your identity. He can't have nothing. He's a liar. I'm dealing with you, devil. You're a liar. You can't have our households. Our men will come back. They will be the head. They are the head. They're teaching our children. They're lined up and they're in their positions. I'm sorry. I just, I, 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 my body's on fire. Sometimes I just get like that and I just can't stop. I'm sorry. I just, I, I got to let it out. Because yeah. the devil's so busy. He's what, what, Jer what Jeremiah say it's like fire shut up in your bones. <laughs> My whole body is is heated up right now, and you yeah, man, was, you you, you yeah. gonna stop tearing down us women. You're gonna stop it, and you're gonna start contributing, and you're not just money, just contributing and being there at the table and being present and marrying our women. You're gonna you're gonna do it. Because the spirit is on the land. God's Holy Spirit is on the land. Hmm. And us women, we're gonna build you up and not tear you down. We're gonna love on you and we're gonna encourage you. And we're gonna be there as helpmates where you come short. You know, I was just sitting while you were going through the testimonies and and, and it brought back to my remembrance. I know four people. Who committed suicide personally friends four of them and they all had everything to look forward to in life they had good lives every one of them but they all died from gunshot mm. and one of them had a degree in psychology isn't that something the other one went to rice university right here in houston so two of them were black two of them were white two of them were women Two of them were men. Think yeah. about that. You know, so, and they, all of them, all of them, he was, one of them, uh, I guess one of them was, had cancer, brain cancer. 
The other was on in med school. One of the women was in med school. One of the men was, I mean, he was on a fast track, you know, on the job, on the fast track. And the other woman, again, she was a psychologist by profession. So they all, you know, they were all, you would never think that they would do that. But, you know, of course, with, with cancer in the brain, you know, of course, you know, that's a, a whole different ball game right there. And with the pain and, you know, you don't know. I've never been in a position like that. So I don't, I can't, I can't testify to it, but I, I can testify to the fact that I had people that I really cared about. And, you know, I don't think about it, right? Um, I know that it happened, mm -hmm. but I don't know what could have been in their minds and in their hearts to to do that. Again, except for the one with the cancer that that I could kind of, you know, with the pain and that goes along with it. And, and you don't know the thought processes that go in there, but the others, I, I you know, it's, uh, it's something that it could be devastating because I have a different perspective on, on life and death, right? So I, I deal with it differently, but, but it happens, you know, to know four people that committed suicide. Think about that. I know personally, knew personally, four people. Oh. So this is, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to um, stop this recording and we're gonna do a second part because we never got to work and we need to get the word. So um, we we did the one, this part here and, and I knew it was gonna be long. We had to deal with that spirit. So I want you to listen to the second part of Hebrew congregation, which is gonna be our lesson. In Yahshua name, amen. <laughs> 